In our social media age, when everyone's trying to boost their platform and preach their message, two pastors come together to put the pulpit aside and have some uncommon exchanges, some considerate conversations about cultural topics from a biblical worldview. We're not just trying to boost likes, comments, shares, and follows. We're trying to find some sanity, some clarity, and some unity in the midst of our diversity to offer some hope in a culture steeped in division, confusion, and toxicity. Come along with us as we put the pulpit aside. Women in ministry. Yes? No? Women stay silent or preach with power. Could be a minefield today. <laughs> Hello everyone, I am Pastor Coy. And I'm Pastor Jesse. And welcome to the Pulpit Aside, where we take those very difficult and challenging issues and we not only lay the pulpit aside so we're not preaching, but we take the time to actually have a dialogue and a discussion, and even at times a disagreement, without actually fighting and getting aggressive. <laughs> so, we thank you for joining us on today. We have a very special guest. First time we've had a guest in the house. It's our first guest on the podcast. Yes. I feel so honored. We also got a little bit of an audience today, too. Uh, our guest brought a few people with her. To, yeah. I She's famous like that. Cheer them on, you know. The audience want to yell out and say something? No. <laughs> <laughs> say what's up, y'all. Uh, Tasha, we're so glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining us on Pulpit Aside. I am so excited, like... I have missed sleep. I have been praying. I've been fasting, but I've just been excited to be a part of what God's doing on this side of eternity and to be included in his history. Like this is so yeah. dope and amazing. Let's go. So excited. I have been super excited about this particular episode as well. Yes, Since the idea came. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. When we first started Pulpit Aside, I, you know, put out on social media, asked people, hey, what do you want us to talk about? And the the idea of women in ministry was one of the top, one of the top topics. And I was like, I definitely want to address that. I just got excited about it. And then when I said, who, who could we invite? I thought of you. Awesome. So I'm excited to hear more of your story. I don't know your story, so it's going to be great. And, you know, as we jump in today, talking about women in ministry, uh, women in the church, uh, I want to acknowledge and say that many godly people have wrestled through this issue mm. uh, and had not agreed, mm. but I think for us and what we do at Pulpit Aside is not to, you know, preach a message, but to really humanize the issue mm. and to bring it into the real, real life today. And so wow, what better way to do that than to have you with us? So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Well, I just feel welcomed just from the inception of meeting you, Pastor Jesse and Pastor Coy, since I kind of moved back to Lansing and God's been kind of bringing all this together. So I think even before this moment, God's kind of already been moving and kind of directing mm. and ordering mm. my steps to who he felt was like the right people to connect me mm. and my calling and my purpose and what I'm carrying. So even though you're just getting to know me here tonight, I definitely feel like um, in exchanging with you and different kind of, you know, events, I just have always felt even before this forum, you have advocated for so many people in our community, and I don't know you that well personally, but in the, in the spirit realm, you know, right? Mm. So I feel like I know you in the spirit. I feel like I feel comfortable to sit here and kind of unpack something that I wasn't aware I was gonna have to unpack mm. one day. 
And so I thank you for being kind of just like open and excited to share in this journey with me because it's not just my journey. It's women who are pioneering, who have already come before me, those to come after me. And so I'm just thankful that God has even given me the opportunity to sit here Mm. and share what he's done for me and for my testimony to be going out. So, I mean, do you guys want me to start from scratch? What do you want to (laughs) know? Where should I begin when I started ministry? When God gave me the calling? Well, tell us enough to give us a good summary of, I guess, around the time that you knew the Lord was calling you in the ministry. Sure. So give us a good idea of kind of what that was like and yeah. then some events that have happened in your life leading up to where you are today. Yeah, of All right, course. All right, so you're, you're a woman, you're a wife, mm-hmm. you're a mother. Yeah. You lead a ministry. Mm-hmm. All right, there we got a basis. <laughs> so... so uh, yeah. Tell us about how you got there. Okay, so actually, I'd like to share, I, I kind of, before you came out, I was sharing uh, a picture of me when I was a, a little girl, and I was sharing that I literally didn't even speak yet. My mom pretty much gave me the seed, Jesus loves loves you, and I was like mm. two, three years old, and before I could actually start talking, I had this little play school microphone that I would walk around with, and I would just sing, Jesus loves you. And yes. I would tell people Jesus loves you. In fact, there's this funny story when Preaching I was little. Preaching at age three. Yeah. It's, Let's go. <laughs> she got you beat. And it's funny because <laughs> it's funny because when you look back at it, you know, you see like Steph Curry, and they show pictures of him shooting that play school hoop when he was yeah, little, yeah, 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 and then he fulfills yeah. the go. destiny God's got in his life. And you're like, how they get that? How yeah, do they yeah. how do they make sure that that VHS made it into 2022? <laughs> so when I see this picture of me, and I'm like going through the scrap albums, I'm like. It's this is meant, you know, it's nothing yeah. that I could have tried to plan. In mm. fact, oftentimes I'll get to how I was very much like resistant, like, no, God, mm. I don't even know what you're talking about. So I'm going to need to put a brief pause on this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I uh, actually remember the first sermon that I gave. I was like three and my <laughs> mom was trying to leave me at my grandma's house. And so my mom's like first generation Mexican-American. Um, my dad's side of the family is African-American. And so I would speak Spanish like in little like leche, leche or vamos, like I want to go. But She didn't understand me, so I guess one day my mom said she was like, I'm just gonna leave you here a little bit longer. And then I was like, no, I wanna go with you. Like, like not like saying that, but like pulling on her like little Mm. kids do. And she's like, you just gotta stay. And then my grandmother said, oh, Tasha, if you leave me, I'll be alone. And she said that I said, Jesus is with you. You're not alone. (laughs) And I think it's funny because I think it came from my heart, but like, I was also like, I'm not trying to be here. I'm ready to go. (laughs) So this is my exit strategy (laughs) as a three, four year old. Like, so my my mom tells that story and I just uh, think of the seed uh-huh. and Jesus loves you was enough. Mm-hmm. So fast forward into my adult life, you know, I believe that once I got to college, cause I wasn't raised in church, I started getting into the word of God. And when I started to delve into the word of God, I started to get these really just scary dreams at night. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. nothing that anybody could help me with at the time because my Parents were not raised in church. Their faith was not something that they shared or passed a mantle to me for. So I remember I would read my Bible before bed, and then I would have these really scary spiritual attack dreams. And mm. later I found out what they were. And But it's really scary, I think, when you're trying to explore faith and nobody can hand faith to you. Mm. And you're supernaturally being kind of outed, I felt like, by the enemy. Like he knew was in me. I had no clue. So every time I got into the word of God, it was like, oh, okay. She's kind of chipping away at the tip of that iceberg. Let's scare her a bit. Mm. And so I would close it. Mm. And I wouldn't come back Mm. to it for months. 
And then something would say, you know, get in the word. So I'd pull out my Bible and then the same thing would happen. So eventually I decided every time I pick up this word, these really creepy dreams happen where I feel oppressed. I would even feel physical, like choking, like mm. I couldn't breathe. Mm. And I know you're super spiritual, Pastor Koi, so I know you're, you've experienced this kind of thing. But um, I had to make a decision. Every time I open this Bible, this happens. I can either keep closing it and run, or I can delve into it the way God's calling me to and stand up to the enemy. And I think that was the first time that I really began to understand I had an authority in Christ, mm. what that authority meant, how to develop it, how the Holy Spirit was gonna spoon feed me and what I needed to do in this call in my life. And it wasn't because of church. It wasn't because I was attending. It wasn't because I saw somebody um, performing in a religious setting. I didn't have any mentors. It was literally just, I think, the Holy Spirit kind of like protecting me and guiding me as my calling developed at mm. a, a young age in college. That's awesome. So it's like it's scary, the Holy but it's awesome. tugging on your heart. Thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even if you didn't know it was fully the Holy Spirit at the time, you knew something was tugging, telling you to get into the Word, and so. Oh, I full on knew it was the Holy Spirit. Okay. Yeah, right. I knew before it was the Holy Spirit. I knew it was God, and I knew that God was like, I didn't create you to be timid. I didn't create you to be afraid. I created you to stand up to this thing, and you will do it. And before I really understood spiritual warfare and Satan and all of these things. In my experience, it was just, okay, I'm not a pushover, so it's go time. Mm. So you're learning to be strengthened in your relationship with God, just trained by God himself, really. That's, that's amazing. Well, it should be the true truth for every believer, although I think God gives in, in the ideal path mentors, mm -hmm. leaders to oh, help you yeah. along. Um, yes. But I guess I'm curious because now I know, I know you're in a space now where you are leading in ministry. Where did you first have the idea? I mean, you, you say you had the seed as a kid mm -hmm. where, and obviously we look back and hindsight is 2020, but where about in, in your sort of adult experience, did you kind of get this idea that maybe the Lord would lead you to be, be a lead, not just a follower of Christ, but a leader of mm. others in mm. the church? Yeah. So that part. So I think innately it was in me. I was always a leader. Um, in high school, I was student body president. In college, I was, um, you know, in Latino Student Union. I was a part of UAO. I was definitely a leader um, and very much aware as a woman of color at a predominantly white university, because I went to Bowling Green State University, that I had um, a position to represent marginalized people. Mm, mm. I think what happened is that God just kind of started me on that path, and then it collided with, okay, so how do those same skill sets kind of like develop into discipleship? Mm. So where it would be just conversations of, I need some inspiration, I need some encouragement, I need some advice, it was, okay, well, do you want me to just give you carnal advice because it's comfortable or this is what has power? Do you want to know about this? And like so the word of, God, right? the word of yeah. God is what people would come to me and they'd ask. And mm. um, actually part of my testimony is I was married really young in college around 19 and my ex-husband, um, he uh, went to the NFL 
And so when he went into the NFL, we didn't know it was a thing. I always, he jokes, we joke now. I always say he was ashy and he was not classy. And um, <laughs> hey, Darrell, he knows we talk about this, so it's all good. But like before the NFL was a thing, I was kind of the mover and the shaker. I was the one that he was like, this is wife material. I would like to like keep her in my life forever because she's like got a good head on her shoulders. Mm. And I think that as young women, we do get kind of distracted from the call when romance or the idea of courtship comes into our life. So I got married really young. We had our my daughter. And then three years later, after I graduated, he was called into the NFL. Mm. And so as a young woman being married with a baby and, and this big life of like fame and fortune. And mm. it was like, God was the root. He was definitely what kept my sanity. Um, even though my ex-husband was really kind of encouraged by, you know, your Patrick Willis's, all these really famous guys. And he's like going out to like do the strip club thing and they're mm. traveling and they're going back and forth. Can we say strip club on the podcast? You already yeah. did. So. Yeah, it's too late now. <laughs> this is real guys. So it's not like you swore, you know, seated. we good, we good. Well, some people so this is just swore, but. No, no, okay. and it's real because because this is where the Lord found me to yeah. use me because what okay. happened when the other players and their wives were going through the same thing and they'd be out, the wives would come hang out at my house Okay. and they would be sad and they'd be going through all of these things and people don't understand. They think that world is so glamorous and it is the demise of so many families. Mm -hmm. It is the wreckage of so many faiths. Mm -hmm. And I would literally watch Roseanne and Nanny reruns, read my Bible and stay in the fort and it just, God just sent them. Mm, right. Not only did he send women, and at times, wives and mistresses to the same Bible study where I would impart Come on. the word to Whoa, them and they would leave toxic and physically abusive and emotionally abusive marriages. And part of me at that point was like, hey, I don't know if you're going to get a lot of uh, good rapport with people tomorrow because <laughs> the girls and I had Bible study. And he's like, man, I got to play with these people. And, you know, it's like, look, I'm not here to... Uh, do anything outside of what God's calling me to do. Mm. And so then some of the players would come over when I'm cooking dinner. And then that's when the light bulb kind of hit. Just sharing the word of God ended up being whoever was hungry mm. would come over to eat. They weren't coming to eat just what I prepared in a dish. They would, they would know and they'd be like, can I talk to you? Yeah. I'm going through this experience wow. or I'm having a hard time. And when the men started to, like my husband was there at the time, right? So it's not like they were pulling me aside or private, but they would come sit over at the dining space while the other guys are playing video games. And, you know, I'm really struggling with my marriage. I'm really struggling with this. I think there was a place of vulnerability where men maybe were not in this hyper-masculine kind of mm. sect. They couldn't actually open up to people. You don't have the time to go to church. So I really feel like essentially mm. the Lord was showing me, mm. I'm bringing people who are hungry and thirsty to mm. you. Are you going to feed them? Mm -hmm. So that's how it kind of started. Wow. 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 You have said so much already in the last yeah, 10 lot, minutes. I'm like, wait, we could there. push on that button. Oh, we could push on that button. I mean, I heard, I You're heard, saying so many things. I heard what Priscilla and Aquila Oh. And what she was talking about, mm. just as far as just sharing the word. I yeah, heard yeah. the woman at the well. Yeah, totally. You know, That's, men yeah. now come yeah. in and, you know, listen to this woman. And those men probably listen to that woman because, you know, she had several 
husbands. In your case, you were providing physical food at times, and then that was almost like their excuse. So they were there visiting your husband, and just by what you had to be imparting to their wives, or maybe even what they were hearing about what was going on, causing them to, you know, want to have those conversations. So I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the Lord use you in ways... Because one, you were available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yep. two, he used you right where you were at. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, so in terms of like a call to ministry, it wasn't even like something you pursued. You didn't have like a epiphany moment. Like some people, I sort of had, um, Koi sort of had, we shared our <laughs> stories earlier. Um, but for you, it was like, you said the light bulb went off. It was kind of the... You realize that people were coming yeah. to you, that the yeah. Lord was making you a spiritual leader, whether you liked it or not. Like you At weren't, heart. you didn't have a plan. You, right. didn't, you yeah. didn't have an agenda. You didn't, yeah. the Lord brought people to you and you're like, wow, it's like I'm supposed to be a spiritual leader or something. You know, like, is that sort of what happened? Not only was it that he was bringing people, but it was in my own wreckage. Mm. It was in my own deficit. It was in my own. I'm literally preaching now. I'm tight to the the cross because these experiences are my own. And I'm trying to stay afloat with my faith and my daughter and keep my sanity. Mm. So no, there wasn't a plan, but but as the Holy Spirit would continue to grow me and spoon feed me, then it got real. Mm -hmm. Then the authority started to set on me. Mm -hmm. And then it was okay. You either are going to go to school for this or take this position with like a secular job with your degree. And I remember being sick to my stomach because I was like, it's one thing, Lord, that you got me doing this and I'm happy to like serve you. But I don't know anything about seminary. I don't know anything about, what do you mean you want me to go to seminary, to pastor, to teach, to preach? Mm. I wasn't preaching at the time. And so I actually, at that time in my marriage, was um, preparing to leave. And because of the abuse, the emotional, the psychological, even physical at times, there was a sellout moment where I really said, Lord, I would rather be broke without this world, without these problems, without these you know, weights and free and be by myself if I would just be able to have you. Mm-hmm. I can't sell out for a Birkin. I can't sell out for a Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was this experience that was, this is the nature of the beast mm-hmm. and you just kind of shut up and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I feel like I'm selling out. So when I asked the Lord after the release, because it wasn't like my ex-husband and I didn't have pastoral counseling, even to a point where apostles of a church were like, listen, He does not want to be married. He's saying over and over, he wants this life. He does not want the faith. He does not want to be married. It's been two years. I mean, to get very candid, there were pregnancies outside of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And these are things that I'm not sharing just for the first time. I'm not outing him. Again, this is very common knowledge because of my ministry. But at that time, I just felt like the Lord was like, and I'm also not going to put you through this because you are not a sacrificial lamb. That's what I came for. Mm -hmm. So there will be a way that I will provide for escape for you. So of course, when you're thinking, I'm leaving this world, this security, this false security, I have to do it on my own with children. Mm. I had two at that time because we had my son. I had gotten um, my first job opportunity with my undergrad degree. And I went to fly to Troy, Michigan 
Um, at the time, he was still in the NFL. And out of 18 applicants, they brought me in last and said I was hired. I was so excited. But what I didn't tell you is on my way to the interview, there was a truck, a Dodge Ram truck, that cut me off in the, in, literally in the traffic in Detroit. And it said, Jesus is coming on the back. And it said, are you going to help? And I had already been feeling heavy in my spirit, like the Lord was taking me somewhere, but I didn't know where. And so when I got home, I kept thinking and thinking like, okay, Lord, what was that Dodge Ram truck? I mm. know in this, I knew enough in the spirit. And it's not like I wasn't, at that time I had gone to church. I had in college start to learn more about the word. But I heard the Lord say, you know that this job is not where I'm taking you. And I was like, oh, where are you taking me? <laughs> so I had to call them and I had to tell them, no, thank you. I declined the position. Wow. And the next day, I kid you not, there was an email from Liberty University for the seminary program for a master's of divinity and theological studies. I had no idea what that even meant. I had to Google it. <laughs> I did not put myself in any type of nothing where I was trying to apply to colleges. I never wanted to go back to college. I still had student loan debt for I my bachelor's. <laughs> so I'm like, you must have missed the mark, Lord. No, and I called. And so this is, this is where, this is, this is real. This is the defining moment because I said, okay, so you want me to follow up with this email? Yes. So I called the admissions counselor. I said, I don't know how I got this email, but I'm supposed to apply. <laughs> and she said, oh, you have to apply by tomorrow. It's the deadline. Oh, wow. And I said, when did you guys send these out? She was like, months ago. I was like, it says yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I'm like trying to fight it at this point mm -hmm. because supernaturally, this is all happening mm -hmm. within right, like right. a matter of declining the position, possible divorce on the line, two kids under the age of three. What is going on, Lord? I literally felt like I was going to throw up. Mm -hmm. And she goes, well, you better get started because we got to <laughs> have it by four. <laughs> well, when they sent me the application, I didn't know that I was going to have to have an actual co-sign from a pastor. Right. I didn't belong to a church at that time mm. and all I could think of is my pastor from college and I I didn't it, it was a bigger college so I I'm a bigger um, a bigger church in my college town and I was like they're not gonna remember me from five six years ago it was big and I'm talking myself out of it at this point mm. like <laughs> it's not gonna work so then there's actually seminary questions and there's like integral questions that they ask you so I'm like well let me just end this now. I'll call the church and see if they even answer. It was like a random Saturday, so I didn't think anyone was going to be there. I call, and the person who answered the, the phone was the one who baptized my daughter in oh, college. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know that he would remember me. And I said, uh, hey, what's up? It's me. It's Tasha. You probably don't remember me. I'm like 24 at the time. And he's like... Yes, Tasha, that sounds familiar. And I'm like, my daughter Liliana was baptized when we were in college. My ex-husband went into the NFL and we were at BG. And he's like, I remember you. He goes, you said something to me one time about you thought, not now, but maybe when you were older, like 65, the Lord was going to use you in ministry. <laughs> oh. And I said, oh. did I say did that? Say and he that? said, you said you that. Said and I go, that. well, apparently God said it's 24 <laughs> and not 65. <laughs> so here I am. Here I am. Wow. Yeah. So he said, not Let's only go. will I do this, I will fax it to wherever you need me to fax it to right now. I happen to be in the office. I came in today on my day off. Mm. Where do you need me to send it? Mm. So he sends it, 
and I'm sick, and I'm like, So at one point oh did you gosh. stop trying to shut this thing down <laughs> and actually it go over. with it? Until you it was just over. fighting the whole yeah, way. Yeah, it was just then fighting the whole way. Two, just two, more, screaming, huh? two more things happened, and then I was like, okay, I'm going with it. The second thing that happened was I didn't know how to answer these seminary questions because I didn't go to seminary for my undergrad. Right. So I'm like, Lord, help me out. You brought me to this. I'm literally talking to God like this. Like, oh, if you want this to happen, you're going to figure it out because I don't know how to answer this. And then the last question was, please tell us how you have served in your local ministry and the pastor's you know, name or whatever and how long you've attended. Well, I didn't because we were in and out of the NFL so much and right. back and forth. I didn't belong anywhere. So I just answered it truthfully. Well, that was a prerequisite to getting into seminary. So mm -hmm. they called and they said, hey, we had a meeting with our board here or whoever it was. And they said, we collectively agreed that because you answered it, honestly, we're going to accept you into the program because mm. most of the time people, people are dishonest. Right. And then that thwarts their opportunity. And I'm like, oh God, why do I got to be so honest? Here I go. And after that, it was on and popping. Uh, Isn't it funny uh, how we think saying, uh, saying like being honest will get us out of something? I mean, and I thought the, the very truth thing that gets us in to set you free. Yeah. 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 And, then, and then I went and I, I, wow. and I did a 85, uh, well, I thought it was 85 they try to sink you with that. Like, oh, if you just bury your head in the sand, I took um, a 95 credit hour accelerated program okay. for the Masters of Divinity. And, you, see, um, you hear that? You hear that? And Masters I'm, of Divinity, 95 credit hour. And yeah, I, I cried. Heard that. that makes you a smart, I cried. smart, smart I creature. Cried. You know what, though? I often say I didn't know anything about seminary. And at the time, I kind of was like kicking and screaming the whole time because having been spoon fed by the Holy Spirit and not having that mentorship from man, it was very difficult because it so was very religious. And study and I mean, it was very religious. Yeah. It was don't, not really don't say that. Don't, don't, don't That's my him, experience. Don't give him points. That's my You're experience. You're giving him points right now. Because I was a blank canvas. about you right now. Not, I'm just saying, you don't need a, any more points. Let the woman okay? speak. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's why we're here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Am I just being kidding. gang up on? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, no. No, but I did. I feel like at that time, it was for me, man, this is really rough in Hebrew and Greek. And I had to argue my papers about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and like I'm just like that's not what my experience is but I understand the history of the church I get it my last paper I I was done I mean I had so many crying moments y'all where I was like Lord why would you put me through this I'm a mom you know mm -hmm. I'm experiencing trauma from a, a divorce and all mm -hmm. these things and then I'm trying to raise children and I oftentimes talk about my bathroom floor moment where I had a suicidal thought mm -hmm. in the middle of seminary where it was like my my ex-husband is out cheating he's abandoned us I'm mm -hmm. literally providing for us at that time with my student loans away by myself and I, I had to set my daughter who was three or four at the time on the couch with my son who was baby and I pulled my kitchen table up and I had this 35 page paper it was finals week and I remember when I put her to bed I just felt so bad because I felt like Lord you called me to this but I feel so inapt as a mother like mm. she shouldn't feel like she's co-parenting she's four yeah. mm. and the, the the guilt of that was so mm. heavy and then on top of that finding out about the infidelities and being abandoned and I didn't have a support system mm. I remember putting her to bed and I went and laid on the bathroom floor and I just started to cry and I said Lord I don't even think I can breathe anymore. I don't think I can do this anymore. And I just don't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. I literally remember it tangibly. Wow. I don't want to live anymore. Mm. Why would you give me this cross to bear? Why would you do this to me? And it was like, I didn't care about myself enough 
through trauma, yeah. even though he was walking with me, mm-hmm. but I cared about my children enough where mm-hmm. it was like, in the midst of carrying my cross, learning what I needed to learn, doing these papers and healing, he was breaking me. Mm. He was breaking me. And so when I had that thought, he said, get off the ground, literally like get off the ground. You're my daughter. You'll never be that low again. And he said, look at yourself in the mirror. And I, I like to make light sometimes of these serious moments because I think we can laugh at it. I don't know if you know who Dane Cook is. It's not super spiritual, but he was a comedian. And Dane Cook talked about when you're home alone and you just feel so much pity for yourself and you walk in front of a mirror and you know no one's home. At the time, I'm thinking college roommates. And he goes, you say, hello, is anyone here? And then you wait and no one's there. So you look in the mirror and you just start letting it cry. And you look at yourself all pathetic, like, look at you all sad and crying. You just need somebody to love on you. And I felt like that moment where God was like, look at yourself. Girl, look at what you've been through. Mm. Look at what I brought you through. You think I'm going to let you Mm, lay down and die? Mm, And he was like, get up. So when I looked at myself in the mirror, there was that remembrance of when I started to open the Bible Mm. and the enemy started to pick on me then. Mm. And it was like, this is the next level. Are you going to stand up to him like you did the first time? Or are you going to run? And I was like, I'm running and I'm bringing everybody with me. Let's Mm. go. And that's literally how it started. Mm. That's when the public ministry started. That's when counseling started. That's when speaking places and people would invite me started all in the, all in the muck, all in the gook, all in the ruin. God use me. Wow. It's crazy, wow. right? It is. I'm so it. sorry, really, for all that you, you've had to experience. Oh, but so grateful for how the grace of God takes yeah. all the junk yep. and turns it to something good. I mean, here you are. I mean, because of all you've had to walk through, you are, I mean, unstoppable. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you've seen it all. You faced it all, you know? And so, I mean, that's a gift that not everyone has. But, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in awe, really, of the goodness of God over your life. So thank you. I'm glad you got off that Thanks bathroom God. floor. Yeah. yeah. It was real. It was real. And I think he let me go through it. So that way I can't, I, I can't not really um, preach or teach or share with, and confess the testimony. And that was one of the scriptures that I feel like for Revelation 12, 11 was so important for me mm-hmm. and my journey. Because so many people maybe think you plan as a woman to go into seminary or you have this mm-hmm. agenda to be like the woman mm-hmm. to like break the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. That was not me. I just mm-hmm. kind of was trusting God. And then when I got to the glass ceiling, when I graduated for seminary, I remember when I went down to Lynchburg and I looked around and I was like, maybe all the women and the women of color are going to show up late or something. Like, we're here, right? And then it was like one, one and a half maybe. And I think that is when God was like, do you see why I did this? Because mm, yeah. nobody here looks like you. And yeah. I was like, I get it. I get it now. And that's what Revelation twelve eleven. I feel like they triumphed over, um, over the blood of the lamb because of the word of their testimony. And I feel like for me, it was an agenda I'm not a feminist. I'm not trying to sit with the boys. I'm not trying to prove a point that women can do it too. I'm simply carrying my cross and I live in this fleshly body, but I have the authority of Christ in me and it's him that resides and does this, Mm. not me. Because if it was me, I'd still be on that bathroom floor. Yeah, Mm. that's good. That's good. I want to transition some because one of our questions that we wanted to ask, me and Pastor Jesse talked about this a little bit beforehand, and that is how have other leaders in the church treated you, you being a woman, being actually a woman of color, uh, kind of blazing this trail that while there are many more women doing it today, there are still not 
enough. Not always um, well received. And and yes, and those who are doing it usually are not well received. And so, how have what has you know how have you been treated and uh, by leaders in the church, by men especially, um, but even maybe even by some women. That's a great question. And I think it's a real question, and I think I'm still processing it daily. Mm. I'm sure you are. Mm. And I think the, the one response that I, I have is that fear is something. And I think when people don't understand Christ and they don't understand relationship, whether it's me as a woman, whether it's an NBA player that should just shut up and dribble, whether it's somebody else who is in a position mm. of authority or, you know, a person of that stature and they have that voice, everybody doesn't want to see sometimes God operating in a way that they don't understand him. Mm. And that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, is that really like that's so true. No, that's true. I, I mean that I think that's we talked about that true. whole the whole box thing. Like we our life, our experiences in church, out of church, all of a sudden we create a box that we've seen God operate in, that we're comfortable in. And then we say, all right, God's inside this box. And it's like, so we put God there because of our experiences, what we're used to, kind of what we grew up with, and not realizing sometimes God's like, he ain't in the box. I'm not in the box. Yeah. And so when he does something that's outside of our box, our norm, what we're comfortable with, then we struggle with accepting yeah. it, believing it, you know, like we struggle with appreciating it. But we so need that. And that's what we, you know, we talked about that. Like, yeah. that's when we have to acknowledge, well, God's God. He just gets to be God. Yeah. You know, so. He, he, he's not in my box. Uh, he, he, <laughs> the box, he didn't make it. He didn't make the box. Um, and I don't but, think that people are rude. I don't think that I've experienced people that are ugly or like malicious. I think it's genuinely like, I don't know about this. Yeah. I've never mm. experienced this. Yeah. And I am very big on um, teachable moments. Mm -hmm. God didn't put me here to speak for all women in ministry. But I do have a responsibility to deal with those who are learning about what God's doing through me and love and compassion and empathy because what would I be doing if I'm just sitting here with like my shield and my sword and I'm like, accept me, accept me when some people mm. really haven't accepted the relationship with Christ either yet. Mm. Even though they have the affront of leader, <laughs> relationship is something quite different. And so I feel like I love that God's given me the opportunity to receive all people who are leaders and what they've thought of me, um, women alike. And I always try to just kind of remind myself, um, you have a position that you've been given and you have to make sure that you don't thwart that by getting your feelings hurt or taking it personally because people don't always know Christ. And the ones who do know him have received you. And I think I have peace with that. So mm. in general, I mean, if you want like a real like hard, solid, like something that was really like obvious, um, you know, applying for positions with my degree and getting looked over as a woman, applying mm -hmm. to different positions and being a part of the applic application process with my seminary degree and um, being told that, you know, we ministry brought positions. you down ministry positions as like associate pastor yeah, yeah. Um, and or... Um, it just, it's been very obvious because it's like, well, we really loved you. We've gotten, we've dwindled down 80 applicants to four, to four and we really loved you, but we're going to go with a guy who's here in our local church. He's in his bachelor's program and we're going to wait to kind of bring him up. But mm. thank you. Mm. And 
when, so when I asked, well, what do you mean by bring him up? Well, he's going to enter in the master's program in the next year and a half. So thank you, but we're going to wait for him. Like, and so for me, it was like, but I'm here. Like God could be sending you someone who's prepared and equipped mm, now, yeah. mm. but because I look different right. than what your expectation of leadership should be, you'd rather wait. And so that's just kind of like my experience with a, a few of those more kind of like, you know, experiences where it was kind of like, all right, so... I'll just keep moving to where it is meant for me to be because I also understand all that's not where God wanted me. Yeah. But mm, yeah. it was kind of obvious. That's, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, man, I you, guess you don't want to be where you're not wanted. I guess we'll just keep but, trucking. But yeah. like that I didn't go to school for my degree to have the degree get me into doors. I think it's all God's will at the end of the day and where he wants me. So I was okay with it, but you still notice it like, oh, that was kind of obvious. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I love your perspective though, kind of how you postured your response was, well, I think it's, you know, it, would, it could be easy. I feel like I haven't walked in your shoes. I'm not a woman, obviously. Obviously. Uh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I think it'd be so easy to just throw the people under the bus who've been rude, mm. you know, or who just, but I think you're, you're actually right. And this is what we talk about a lot on the podcast is how we, how we would discern and walk, you know, with, with wisdom and maturity in difficult situations. And, and what, what love does is it assumes mm. the best. Well, this person just doesn't know me. They don't understand yeah. me. Maybe they're just not comfortable. So you know, and I love that posture. You're, you're, yeah. I get it. You're not, it's, you're not, you're not mad at me. You're just not comfortable with, yeah. with, with this idea. And, that's not my fault. Yeah. That's mm. your fault. You know what I mean? Like, I love your, your position in that. I think it's, it's really so godly and, and keeps you so free. You know what I, I mean? So. You could be carrying a lot around a lot of bitterness, mm. but I don't, I don't see, see you doing that. So I really I, appreciate that. I feel like that. I'm very free. I do. <laughs> I feel like God had, you know, I could have, I could have, I could have, I could have been raised in church and I could have mm. had a different, I, I really am thankful that I have been a blank canvas. Mm. And in a place where I have relationship with Christ, I can be confident in who I am. Because if I had gone through maybe a different paradigm there, I may not have been as confident because I truly only had me and God for so long that it's not a question. It's just, okay, let's let's teach, let's move on, and wherever you want me, God, I'm there. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I hope you are enjoying this conversation on women in ministry. We are not done, but this episode recording went so long, we're breaking it up into two segments. So this is the end of part one. You have to catch up with us when we release part two coming really soon. Um, In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Feel free to drop us a line on Instagram at Pulpit Aside or at our email account, pulpitaside at gmail.com. Until then... Let's have some uncommon conversations and grow in our understanding and love for our neighbor. Bless you.